This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Miller, he plays it to the far circle for Pod Colson, shoots, he scores! Vasily Pod Colson off the bench, fanned on his shot, and it fluttered off the post and in. And Aaron's got it at the left point. Over to the right side for Truba, long shot, tip, they score! As the shot by Truba was deflected on its way to the net. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Uh, Canucks back the other way. They score. Elias Patterson on the end boards. Got after a puck on the forecheck. And just shoved it past Shesterkin and into the net. Canucks respond immediately. Shesterkin is complaining to the officials. The official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose. A close one, 4-3 in New York against the Rangers. Like Batch mentioned, a good effort overall. Get out class, kept it close, had a chance to come back, ultimately lose in regulation. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. We are going to welcome in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. You can send your thoughts in via our Dunbar Lumbar text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Without a doubt... The Canucks have been working hard under Rick Tockett. And they kept it close tonight, of course. But at the end of the day, the Rangers, the better team, capitalized on their opportunities, created some more chances. You could still say their full value for their victory, but the effort, it can be allotted. Yeah, the Rangers also felt like they were in lock-it-up shop mode that third period as well. They salted that one away pretty nicely yeah. in third. Outside of uh, that They were goal, very consistent. Seven shots in the first, seven yeah. shots in the second, seven shots in the third. They added, you know, they were up. And, you know, their MO is Igor, Igor, <laughs> yeah. Igor. And the crowd was chanting that as well. They rely on him to close out games. He's their Mariano Rivera. And... That's what they do, and and they can make it difficult for you. And Canucks didn't generate a whole lot. You know, twelve in, in the third, they generated some, a few chances in the third. They, you know, they they got the the goal from Pedersen, a couple of chances. Yeah, but it wasn't like wave after wave. No, hey, it certainly wasn't. No, I mean throughout this game, if you look at the high danger scoring chance differential before you got to the third period, it was seven three, and then even at one point it was nine nine three for the. Um, New York Rangers in that mm-hmm. game, and by the end of it, it's 11-9. Canucks may have had a few chances late. But yes, the Rangers, better team, better quality. They found a way to win this game, of course. Vancouver, still a lot of work to do. Let's welcome in Randy Janda into the conversation. And Randy, uh, you and Batch had the call, and you mentioned a good effort towards the end did not come up with a W. You can still say, though, the Rangers were full vic- full value for their win, controlling the game start to finish, but Vancouver hang- held on and made it pretty tough for the Rangers for the most part. Yeah, that's commendable over the last two games. I know there's going to be a lot of breakdowns of, hey, the four goals against, how did they come about? But we know that the dynamic for this season has changed after the Bo Horvat, uh, the, the, the trade. And, you know, you look at the last two games, one thing I think that can be applauded about this team is that, yes, the mentality of playing to the final whistle, uh, personified really by Elise Pedersen on that goal, that 4-3 goal, where... Everybody else starts looking around when the New York Rangers are waiting for the icing. Pedersen keeps it going. Make sure that he gives his team a chance. So, you know, there's a lot of things that they need to clean up. No question about that. But one thing that I do like is you're playing to the the final whistle, the final, you know, ticking down the the clock uh, to 60 minutes. And that's something that at this point in time, if you're fighting for a job for next year, if you're trying to show where you need to sit in the lineup – 
and that battle is going, whether it's Brock Besser or Andre Kuzmenko in that second line, you're going to have to do that to show this coach that you are engaged and you want to win. Hey, listen, we talk about, you know, <laughs> the the lottery watch and lotto watch as you've done it, uh, Bick, but these players don't really care. they got mm-hmm. a point to prove, and they're going to compete as long as they possibly can. And even someone like Miller, right, like the, the goal for put Coles in, which, by the way, it sounds amazing on radio because it hits the post there. It sounds like he snipes it, but it's yeah. – uh, <laughs> He's some good fortune for that one to to go in, but nevertheless, Double deflection, yeah, yeah, but nevertheless, uh, like like that's a hustle play too, charging and hard coming off the bench, and honestly, like he skated really hard all night. Some of it was misguided, trying to throw a hit that maybe wasn't there, trying to jump a passing lane that maybe you should have fallen back. But nevertheless, like always moving and engineers a goal just through sheer hustle. And, you know, the opportunity was there for the Canucks. If you look at the giveaways from the Rangers, they had 20 tonight, right? And a lot of those coming in their own zone, a lot of those coming in the neutral zone, and a little sloppy from the Rangers that we've seen. But you got to take advantage of that. And that JT Miller play was a classic example where, hey, they might have taken their foot off the gas after that third goal, and the Canucks need to take advantage, and they do there. JT Miller's engaged. He creates that opportunity for Pod Colson, and Pod Colson gets a little bit of luck on his side. But... You know, that's going to be an opportunity for this team to, to you know, their best players have to, to play that style. And Talk had said it before, when he makes the comparison of, you know, Sidney Crosby did this in Pittsburgh, or there's some of the best players in the league, they need to, your best players have to bring that effort. We're seeing that. You need to see that consistently enough. And I think with JT Miller, yes, there's things that you can clean up, kind of like what we talked about in the pregame, guys, but... That play is JT with the second effort. That play is mm-hmm. him essentially staying involved in that play and extending that play. And there were opportunities, whether it was the third pairing for the Rangers when, you know, Braden Schneider and Ben Harper were out there. Uh, the fourth line did a good job. I thought the JT Miller, Pod Colson, uh, Garland line were, were solid all night long, especially in the offensive zone. And now they got to keep that up. They got to show that they can do that consistently enough. And I think with Connor Garland, he's starting to show that that chemistry with Pod Coles and Miller, mm-hmm. it, there might be very difficult to knock him out of the top six if he continues to play this way. Well, and you know, I did think Garland had a pretty active game tonight too, Bick. Like I thought he I, he had one of those games where he got in the forecheck and then still still did some of the Garland stuff that I I don't like. But late in the game, the the Sidney Crosby behind the net spin around three times, make Jason Spezza chase you. Yeah, you know something. But but hey, at least tonight, yeah. like. To Randy's point, like I do see some of that. We we wonder about duos and chemistry. Mm-hmm. To give Garland his credit, it has looked pretty good alongside Miller. No, that's fair. Uh, and, and look, there's you do have to have some leniency to allow players to be themselves at times. And it, it's it's always just about are you going to create something? So, in, for instance, that play where he spins around, he does get it to the point. And yeah, the shot goes in from the point. So it's always about creating something. But Garland, Randy, uh, scores another goal here and. Uh, ten on the year now. It's it's slowly getting to back to a space or a pace where we would expect Connor Garland to be scoring at. Yeah, closer to fifty points is something that he did last year, right? So he's on that pace now, maybe around forty three, forty four points. But guys, that goal I think showed us a lot about Connor Garland and what he could be on a team that can move the puck up the ice quicker. And in that case, it was Quinn Hughes really attacking the middle of the ice and terrible gap control by the New York Rangers on that goal, by the way, you know, talking about taking advantage of the third pairing, they gave Quinn Hughes all the room in the world. But what does Connor Garland do? He occupies that space. He comes in with speed. If this team, not only this year, but also next year can find the right players to hit some of these wingers in stride rather than them carrying the puck into the zone. You know, I go back to that old Pittsburgh model where a lot of their wingers, you hit them with the puck in stride. They didn't have to carry the puck themselves too much. 
and that just puts them in a much better position. They've got, you know, defensemen playing on their heels, and that's exactly what happened on that play where, sure, he was all by himself, but you're putting in a, a defenseman, or sorry, a, a, you know, forward in a position of success there, and Garland has to do really not much there where he just occupies that space, finds the soft area, and lets it go. So uh, I know sometimes we criticize for him, you know, hanging on to the puck too long, but if you're a forward and you have to enter the zone and you have to do it all by yourself sometimes, um, you know, it, it does limit what you can do. You're forced to the outside. And I love that where, you know, Quinn Hughes goes north-south and uh, plays the game north and occupies that space. Connor Garland's very simple. Drive the net, wait for the pass, and get that shot off. And that was a great job by Quinn Hughes first and foremost. But I want to see Connor Garland in those types of situations a little bit more where he doesn't have to hang on to the puck. I wanted to ask you about Quinn Hughes. We didn't have enough time in the second intermission. Uh, now we have the full range of the postgame show to talk about that goal. Uh, just uh, a, a heads-up play by a guy, just taking space, manipulating guys. And, you know, the thing I like about it, too, it's, yeah, he's he's getting vertical, he's getting north-south, but there is that still that Quinn Hughes lateral element to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's fascinating, too, is how he kind of switches off from check to check and makes the Rangers say, well, who's taking him? Because now he's going away from me and I don't want to break position. And he just keeps finding ways to find space. Yeah, that play to me... Uh... Very much, and I'm going to use a, a basketball reference here, is kind of like, you know, Allen Iverson surrounded by three guys. Sure. And you're essentially saying, all right, who's, who is he going to pop out to? Is he going to take it himself? Uh, and, and Connor Garland occupies that space. But that was a just get, getting into that area where all of those Rangers, those three players around him had to make that decision of, who do you have him? Do I have him? And you could, say they're, you could see that they're playing on their heels. And, and, you know, when Quinn Hughes is playing his best, um, even later on after that, guys, he was activating into the rush. He was the second guy in, uh, not a forward. It was, it was you know, him jumping up into the rush and creating plays. Uh, I love to see that from, from Quinn Hughes. And, you know, that's what makes him special, right? The fact that he can be that fourth forward, essentially, and jump up and make that pass. One of the better passers in the game. And the ability to make defensemen and centers really uncomfortable in that area of the ice. You know, there's Adam Fox is a damn good defenseman, Norse trophy winner. But when you talk about offensive talents, uh, these guys are comparable, right? Heading into this game, their points per game are identical. Their games played was almost identical. And Quinn Hughes, sure, we can always talk about how certain things need to be improved defensively, and I agree with that. But a play like that where he's so patient, it feels like the game just slowed down for him in that moment to say, all right, which one of you guys is going to just lean a little forward, and once you do, I'm going to hit my teammate with the pass for the goal. Randy, before we let you go, uh, as far as the defensemen go, Quinn Hughes, incredible, nice job of outlining that, guys. But as far as Oliver Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers are concerned, we can sit here and talk about some of the structure stuff is better and the positioning and, for the most part, the discipline's better. In terms of how those guys are defending and, and putting themselves out of position, we saw both guys get victimized. The first goal, of course, happens. OEL gets caught up ice. Let's Trocek gets behind him, leads to a two-on-one. Kreider scores. We see Tyler Myers get running around in his back end a little bit as well. And we know he has trouble sometimes getting in front of his old netminder when, when shots are coming through. So as much as you know, Quinn does his thing, and as much as the team is, is trying to be a bit more disciplined and better in its early stages with Rick Tockett, it doesn't seem like their game, specifically OEL and Myers, has appreciably improved. No, it hasn't necessarily. And even though Oliver Ekman Larson has gotten a fair bit of ice time, if you start looking at you know playing with uh, Rick Tockett as the coach, but that first goal to me, and you know when you when you talk about live for the next shift, which is Rick Tockett's mo- motto, right? That's one where you look at Oliver Ekman Larson to say, all right, you're playing aggressive, but if there's nobody back there to, to help you out and 
maybe cover your spot, you got to pick your spot. And, you know, that's a that's a player knowing their own mobility or shouldn't be knowing their own mobility to know the opposition, the top two lines on this Rangers and top three lines, really, they can skate. Their wingers can skate. Their centers can, you know, burn as well. So to me, that was a, you don't have to hit the home run. You don't have to go hero mode every single time. And I understand the first shift of the game was a solid one for the Canucks. But after that, the Rangers really stepped up their game. So when I look at, you know, a, a play that, you want to really look back and, and talk at even after that goal, guys, he was shaking his head. He was not happy at the way that that play was executed defensively. And Myers, yes, he had his moments as well. But I think that first goal of the game for Oliver Ekman Larson was a classic example of, all right, decision-making and knowing where you need to be and making the right decision at the right time early in that game. As a veteran, you have to do a better job than that. Uh, Kuzmenko, thoughts on him tonight? Now, he kind of got benched here uh, for, a, for a stretch there in the second. Starts the first period with seven shifts, five shifts in the second, four in the third. Um, I, honestly, I, I didn't notice him that much tonight, and maybe that's why, but I also didn't notice him for any negative reasons as well. I was surprised uh, his minutes got cut down as well. Yeah, there were a couple of plays maybe in the third period, a second period for sure, where you could see the board battle. You know, Rick Tockett loves that. He wants guys that are engaged on the, along the boards, and Couple wall guys, wall where, guys, and inside guys. Wall guys, oh, you, yes. Yeah. Music and, to my and ears. Here's the thing: Kuzmenko was not an inside guy, and he, a wall guy, uh, not halfway through that game. And I think that's why he got bumped down. There's a couple of soft play along the boards in the defensive zone, and this coach, we know something about him. Where he said it before, we've heard Connor Garland say it as well. There will be no passengers, and on a couple of those plays along the walls. Kuzmenko did not look engaged. So when you see 18 minutes last game and a beautiful goal against the the Devils, and now. Um, you know, 12 minutes uh, for Kuzmenko. He had one shot on goal and really zeros across the board. I, I think results are one thing, but if Tockett doesn't see his guys engaged in that play, and listen, he's not going to be a bruiser. He's not going to be drilling guys Sammy Blay style, but are you playing the game, you know, in, in a hard manner and tying up guys and making sure that they're unable to make the play and you're separating man from puck whenever you can? Uh, Kuzmenko, I think halfway through that game, uh, really really didn't notice him, and unfortunately for him, it was not in a good way. There's a couple of shifts when he got moved down to the third period, or third line, sorry, uh, that you saw him a little bit more engaged down low, but by then, you know, Brock Besser had done a couple of few th- a few things in transition, maybe been a little bit better uh, than Kuzmenko, but I'd expect to see him back on that line. Listen, if you're not feeling the player's having a good game or he's a little disengaged, uh, Kuzmenko's done what he's done. He's the leading goal scorer on this team now that Bo Horvat is off the team. You got to bring him back into that top six. Sammy Blay, we got to update your references here, man. That's uh... he was playing tonight, man. <laughs> no, I know, <laughs> but like, did you see how he drilled Lucic last game? No, right? no, I, I know, but like Cal Clutterbuck or something like that. I, I, I hey, oh, that's a dated like, reference. S- that's a dated reference, man. The man takes on Luch. I'm going to give him a shout out next Sammy, game. The this... man is expanding the vocabulary. Scratched as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you take on the toughest guy in the league <laughs> and you drill him. I'm going to give him respect for that. All right. Hey, Randy, great stuff calling the game alongside Batch, and uh, you'll be back at it again tomorrow when the Canucks face Bull Horvat for the first time as a foe against the New York Islanders.
All right, we'll see how that goes, boys. Talk right, tomorrow. You got it. That's Randy Jana. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650650. Uh, John and Canby Village, near perfect team tank result. Hard work, good habits being established, and a loss. Only downside, trade asset. Luke Shen got dinged up. And Luke Shen, we'll get an update on his status fully mm-hmm. coming up from uh, Rick Tockett, who's going to meet with the media, and we'll get player post game reaction. And as far as audio goes, we are going to play everything Elliot Friedman had to say. I know people are wondering about. You know, some of the trade stuff involving Luke Shen, involving Besser, and even JT Miller. We'll play that uh, chunk of audio coming up a bit later on the show. But Shen did return to the game and did finish the game. So it's not like he was hurt. Tough lad. So he's, you know, so it's not like he's, it's a really bad injury. It doesn't look like it, but we'll keep that updated. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. Let's get to the phone boards early tonight. 604-280-0650. And I know there are, people have a lot of thoughts about how this team is trending. I know we've had a lot of conversations with our friend Paul in Coquitlam. And the Canucks lose yet again. So let's get Paul into the conversation. And, and Paul, uh, what are your thoughts after the game here tonight? Hey guys, um, yeah. So just uh, I, I don't want to um, you know slam somebody that's not playing well, uh, but I guess I will. Um, Spencer Martin. Um, it, it's been very clear for a long time that he is not just an NHL or he's not an NHL caliber goalie, right? And I mean, his save percentage is would have been embarrassing in the mid 1980s. I think it's like 870 or something like that. And I'm I'm totally you know, empathetic to the fact that he's been put in a situation that he should not be put in. You know, he's playing way too many games um, in a league that he hasn't played very much in. You know, he's got terrible defense, yada, yada. But putting all that aside, I mean, he's he's horrible. Like, just watching, I, I, I'm not a goalie expert, but just, you know, my naive eyes watching him, is like his puck control, his, I mean, so many decisions in the course of a game is just amateurish it seems to me so I I don't see the point in keeping him on this team I mean he obviously has no future on this on this team to me at least why not bring up Seelovs or I I don't know if there's anybody else they can bring up but I mean why not try some somebody else Um, I mean obviously this season is a write-off players are playing for their future with the organization and stuff but uh, Martin doesn't have a future in, in my opinion so I just want to get your opinion on that. Uh, thanks for the phone call, Paul. And he, I will say this about Martin. I saw, you know, somebody keeps, keeps texting in and saying you guys are overrating his performance. You're idiots for even trying to defend his play. And and I think, you know, Paul... To be fair, that person texts him the same text every single day. It doesn't matter. I mean, the Canucks might yeah. give up one goal, and it's like, pull the goal. That person always texts in, and, and very angry text messages as well sometimes. We, we get a kick at it, but some of them are... I'm like, buddy, touch some grass, please. <laughs> but outside of that... Um, I do agree. I mean, Spencer Martin is what he is. Tonight, however, I have a hard time putting the L on him. Like, l- let's break down the goals really quickly here. Four goals go in on him. How many would you say were his fault? Two were double tips that go in. To be fair, on the on the first Kreider goal, he should go, 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 gadget legs, and yeah. stick out the pad it's and a make two that on save. One. The puck, puck's like, going east-west. That's, that's the first one, right? So it's a two-on-one where the goal goes in. Two other goals were tipped in, like double tips before they go mm-hmm. in. And the Lafreniere tips the, like essentially the third shot on the way through goes in. Yeah. How do you put that one on Spencer Martin? What, the only goal you want to take up is the Hedo one where we put on dries, allowing the space and to happen. Look, I kind of talked about it too. It's like, is he a little slow coming off of the yeah. post? Is he too compact? And again, that's sort of stuff. This is just my naked eye. I leave that stuff to the goalie yes. guys. As, as, as even Paul was like, hey, I, you know, try to leave it to the goalie people too. Is he a bona fide starter? No, but we knew that. 
he, he just hasn't taken this massive leap. I'm as big a fan as Ian Clark as everyone, right? He's not going to turn every goalie into Vezina-style goaltenders. The hope is he turns a goalie into the best version of himself. And sometimes the best version is a backup goaltender. Or and you know what? He's probably, he's probably done that with Spencer Martin. Well, he's turned Spencer Martin into a guy who's playing NHL games when he wasn't. Yes. Right? So he's already taken a leap. Now, I agree with the overall sentiment, though, that Spencer Martin is not that guy. Right? And I do like Colin Delia better. And I've talked about this even going back to training camp about the traits and some of the things that he has that uh, I like better, the explosiveness, the athleticism. And I think Colin Dealey is a better better goaltender. And we talked about how this could be Spencer Martin's last game starting for the Canucks this season because he might be the guy that gets sent down when Thatcher Demko is ready to go. So that's something that might happen here at some point. As far as Artur Silovs is concerned, Artur Silovs before this season played what, like about a dozen games in the AHL before this year? He's played less than 50 games in the AHL. You got to give Artur Silov some time. And even his numbers in the AHL, and he's done a really good job. Like We talked to, uh, to Kevin Woodley today, and go back to check, check out the interview, and he's done really well, but he's playing a lot. And even, even though he's playing a lot, it's not perfect. Like He's doing well, but he's not exactly playing at a superstar level yet. Bringing him up to the NHL to see what he can do when he's not quite ready, it makes no sense yet. That's a guy who needs time. Don't worry about Artur Silovs. If we get to a point later this season, Vic, if he gets a one start down the stretch, sure, whatever. But in terms of bringing him up to give him games here, makes no sense. He's not. He needs time. I understand fans are frustrated with his goaltending, and I get it. you got to figure something out long term. But the solution isn't to take guys who are developing to come and play in this mess right now. Let those guys do their thing. If Silovs needs time. Let him get his start. He needs to marinate. Let him, give him his time. We talk about being patient with players. Be patient with him. Give him some time. But we could have seen Spencer Martin's last start with the Canucks this season. That's possible. Yeah. The, the, just Look, this is like the, the new toy philosophy. Just because you're bored of a toy doesn't mean you need to like jump to the next one. Right? Let it sit. Just let it chill out. Yeah. It's, it's not even about this season. Like, over under how many games Seelovs plays next season in the NHL? I, I put it at three and a half. Two and a half. I was going to say, yeah. Like two, One and a half, actually. Two and a half. Is One and a half. Right. Uh, two and a half. Yeah. And he's like the third, fourth stringer at that point. Like, third option. So this best. isn't even trying to force him up to get ready for next year. We're still talking about a whole nother year away. If at this point next year, lost season again. Okay. And he's having success in mastering and, that level? And he's having success. That okay? Like, hey, let's let's do a run of games here. We'll split it with Demko or whatever, pending the goalie situation. That makes sense. But just because you're bored of watching Spencer Martin doesn't mean you got to rush Arthur C. Loves. Yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Now, a lot of reaction here on the text inbox, 650-650, William Langley. Martin was okay tonight, in my opinion, but watching him play this season makes me think Halak was actually having a hell of a year as Demko's backup. Horvat with a hattie tomorrow against Vancouver. I mean, and for all the criticism, Halak had a... Ps- Plus yeah. 900 save percentage. He had two bad games, and it's like, oh, my God, you can't trust this guy. Now, mind you, they were um, shockingly and amazingly bad, that almost like he stopped stopped competing. But he he got slandered a lot for those two bad games. Right. And, and he was I, fine. Yeah. And these, he earned his bonuses. For sure. And these guys, at best, are maybe backup goalies. And even then, and we're talking to Woodley about this. Like, I don't think either guy you look at next year and say that's a good backup option for you. Now, it depends on your ambitions next season as a mm-hmm. team and what you're trying to do. But if you're trying to be competitive, I don't think you can c- credibly come back with Delia or Spencer Martin as your backups next season. Like, I don't think that from what I've seen. 
you know, and still some time to go. But so there are a lot of truths here. Again, a lot of things can yeah. be true at the same time. Like the goaltending has left something to be desired. But like Shooter Tutor uh, Tyler also mentions, you guys got to push back on the environment here on these people yeah, playing the goaltending. We've been percent. talking about that. Like, again, a lot of things can be true. These guys, journeyman goalies, maybe can be serviceable backups at time, but if you expect them to be starters or be leaned on and, and backstop a team, that's not going to happen. They're not those guys. That's very, very clear. But tonight, you can't hang the loss on the goalie. I don't think so. And, and so what? He's now 11-14-1 on the year, I believe. Spencer Martin? Yeah. Uh, we came into this saying, hey, he's got to play 25 games, so he's crossed that threshold, obviously. But you would have said, like, 25 points. Now, he's played more games because of the Demko injury, but... Like, ultimately, for what you're paying Spencer Martin, I can't believe we spend this much time on Spencer Martin today, but you kind of he's kind of done what he's supposed to do, get you points as a backup. He's been thrust into a spot where he's probably not supposed to be, but he's a average backup goalie. Yeah. Which is still great acclaim. A- average uh, when he's playing well. Yeah. When he struggles, well, then you kind of see. I feel like you're asking for too much. I think so. I, I agree. I mean, hey, but the, the point was, and somebody says, hey, it was a fail by uh, Ian Clark because neither guy's a backup. No confidence in goaltending is the worst feeling, sure. But if you look at the environment as well, it's been very bad in front of these players. Mm-hmm. And these players haven't been able to overcome it. That's definitely part of it, but uh, that's a bit of an issue. And as far as the PK goes, Pardeep says the power play, PK has been great the last two games. One and seven against two good teams. Ship bow out and have players not cheating or avoiding blocking shots seems to be paying off. And on the PK, at least, yes, they killed off six of their last seven. Uh, we are, before we get to Rick talking on the other side, let's get to the phone boards one more time. Let's go to Vancouver, to Toronto, where Bikram is on the line. Bikram, thanks for calling in. Big Sky, what's happening, man? Not much. How are you guys? Good, good. Uh, what are your thoughts this evening? Uh, I'm not. My question is more related to just a general question. That is, uh, what are the chances that JT Miller will get traded? Is there is there a chance, or is it too tough? Uh, I I'd say there is a chance. I probably put that percentage at what fifteen percent. Oh, it's going to go less, like yeah. seven and a half percent. I'd Actually, I'll put it at nine percent, just because this is Jersey. This is I'll say fifteen percent, a bit more. Uh, I, I, I'm a bit more optimistic, or I wouldn't say optimistic, but I, I think the chances are better than what uh, Bick would th- think. Is, is there just no market for him, or is it just too tough with the contract? So, you know, I, I'd say thanks for the phone call, uh, Bickram. Yeah. I, you know what? Like, I, so I believe. There could be a team there that was willing to take on JT. Like, I, I think that there are teams willing to take him on, but I think they're t- trying to take him on for a song. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, I, I know uh, we'll play some, some of the thoughts from Elliot and we'll expand on this a bit more here. But I do think teams, there are teams that have interest. I don't know if they're willing to give you value at this stage. And I think that's the biggest thing with the JT Miller situation. I think there are teams interested, but what would Vancouver, what reason would they give Vancouver to make that trade? Because I don't think Vancouver's at a stage, Bick, where they're willing to just move the player for the sake of moving him. They want something tangible to move the player. So that's the question. It's like, yeah, their team's interested, but are they interested in giving Vancouver something assembling what they want in order for them to consider it? Yeah, and it's 51 games now after making a decision to sign him. Yeah. So they're not going to do the thing of, like, oh, we just got to get rid of him for anything. Um there's the admittance of a mistake, but you still want to get paid off for that. They're not just going to just eliminate the guy just to say, hey, thanks, congratulations on the contract. But we, we made a mistake six months a, later, here you that's go. That's not going to happen. So yeah. if someone wants if someone wants him, they have to covet, covet him at the price that's uh, required to get a player that's 
valued at that. Now, could the price be less than what it was last year? Potentially. Like in terms of, hey, what it would take for Vancouver to make that trade, whereas they didn't last year. Yes, I think that's fair to wonder. Would it fall under the line of what Horvat just got traded for? It probably maybe are. I think for Vancouver to make that trade, I think it. it, I don't think the expectation just has to be that high. So prospect though. Yes, I think not as daring of a first round pick bet. So now you're talking about someone that's late in the twenties. Yes, and a B prospect instead of your A prospect. Yeah, but also like take a contract back. Yeah, right. Like there's there's that element. Last year we talked about two young players and a pick. Now it's. Can you take a functional player back or just any contract back yeah. just to make the money work? So that's a little bit different. But to me, it's like similar in tone. But we're just talking about different valuations of the two pr- prime assets. I think that type of deal could interest Vancouver. And it doesn't have to be as good a pick or as good a prospect necessarily. But yeah, it's still like a first and a good or something decent else in return. To make the Canucks say yes. And that's what I mean. So you mean yes, it could happen. It's unlikely to happen. The more likely time would be the draft. And by the end of the season, if JT plays well and teams look at it and say, under Tockett, we like what it looked like. And there aren't a lot of free agents available. Teams that missed out may have different ambitions. And maybe, just maybe, then somebody makes an offer to make you think. That seems more realistic, but it's still betting on it not being something that's likely. And besides the whole cap space issue at the trade deadline. Yeah, which is a bit of an issue that gets in the way of, of a lot of these things. All right, we'll play back what Ellie Friedman had to say about the latest on those Canucks situations around the league. And we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett as the Canucks Central Postgame show rolls on. Canucks lose 5-3 in New York against the Rangers right here on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central postgame show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Neil Zolman battling for it, as is Curtis Lazar, but Zabinijad digs it loose to the left side for Ke'Andre Miller. Back to Zabinijad behind the net. Out to the right corner for Jimmy Vesey. Vesey trying to drive to the front of the goal, lost the puck. Panarin's got it at the left point. Over to the right side for Truba. Long shot. Tip. They score. As the shot by Truba was deflected on its way to the net, but I think it'll be his goal. And the Rangers go up 4-2. Rangers go on to win 4-3 over the Vancouver Canucks at Madison Square Garden. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nizar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. We are going to hear from head coach Bruce Boudreaux. I'm sorry, Rick Talkin. First time I made the mistake. I, I did a good job of avoiding it so far. And I was actually thinking about this earlier today. No, didn't today. you do, do it after game one? No, I, I did it after Travis Green got fired in game one. I said Bruce Boudreaux is coming to the podium. That's, right. That's what I did. Not this time. I was good this time. And finally, Multiple made L's. You yeah. did 5-3. I know. I know. No. I know. Wrong coach. We're sitting here criticizing, uh, you know, Canucks players who are making mistakes. And look at unforced errors. But the Texans are keeping you accountable. They are. Hey, you take the L. Show up and say you, you're sorry. Win the next shift, man. Win the next broadcast? Or the next take? Just win the next take. Get this transition in deep. Just go to the coach. Is that Play for the saying? next clip. <laughs> yeah. And the next clip is from head coach Rick Tockett. And we are going to hear from him. And one of the things we are going to talk about, too, is Andre Kuzmenko got moved off the Elias Pedersen line. First time we saw the head coach 
maybe give one of his key players, or maybe the second time, maybe did so with JT, a bit of a prodding. We'll talk about that. But before we get to that and more, here is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-3 loss in New York. Tough lead to always try to play catch-up, isn't it? Yeah, it's... Uh... I don't think we were ready to play. I know we had the shot volume down from them, but they kind of—they're a fast team. Um, but yeah, we just—I I, some guys were just ready to play tonight. So on the first goal specifically, you're talking. There's a couple. Well, we we got a valued little plays, wall plays. When you don't have a, you have nothing. The puck has to go deep. We still there's bad habits that filter uh, that we have to get rid of. Um, we, but, you know, we had a chance at the end you know, to get in there, but there's just some value plays that we have to – that's team identity. And I think sometimes we overlook the value. You know, we're looking for the result. We want to score the goal, but there's a lot to more scoring a goal. It could be chipping a body. It could be winning a battle. It could be boxing a guy out. You know, we want to go to A to Z too quick. we got to go through the progression, and I think that's something that tonight it showed that if we don't value certain plays, you know, they're going to be tough games to win. You're always going to play catch-up. Is that something only practice can ingrain? Or? Well, it's practice. I mean, it starts day one. You know, it's training camp. It's October, November. It's, you know, you just, it starts right the way you train the summer. It's, it's everything. That's what I believe. It's a mindset. We talked a couple of times about uh, setting a standard. So if you have one good game, we'll follow yeah. it with another. Is tonight an example where you didn't follow it? <clears throat> well, we had played a similar team, New Jersey, and I thought we played well. And but to play the same way in the hard, you know, the, the, like I keep saying, I, you guys get tired of me saying value plays, but those are things that you have to value every game. Um, and then you're going to chase, right? Um, we had some guys give some really good efforts. I think Ethan Bear was terrific tonight. We had some guys there. We had four or five guys who were just they they weren't good. <laughs> You know, and, and I, listen, I've played the game for it. I've been bad myself, but if you're bad and you don't have it, you got to make sure that you get the puck in deep or you're good in position. You can't be, you can't be bad at every area. So I thought we had five guys that weren't, they were just not good. Kuzmenko, one of those five. Yeah, he wasn't good tonight. He was uh, spinning everywhere. I mean, it's just not him, but, you know, he's a young kid. I mean, in the sense that uh, it's his second, second year in the league or whatever. Uh, is his first his first year? Sorry. Um, so, but he'll learn. He'll learn. And you you moved Brock up. Did you see something in his game that you you liked? Well, I, I just you know I wanted to try to get Petey. You know that line was getting early on. I thought the Rangers were kind of eating that lineup, so I wanted to get maybe him to maybe a puck possession guy. Um, but at the end, we have a faceoff play, and we don't we don't we have two guys that don't screen on, on the draw and. You know, the guy comes out to our appointment. We don't have enough time. Those are the little things that we got to make sure we do. At the same time, you're there three to two. Yeah. And so I'm guessing you're, you didn't see what you wanted at three to two, and you probably didn't see what you wanted when it was four three. You had a little time. I got to give these guys a lot of credit. I mean, not you know throughout the year when I even watching the team, they they never give up. You know, they've been down three goals before and coming back. So that that's a good positive thing mm-hmm. that I like that they they don't give up. I just we don't need to get to that, you know behind because of the things we do sometimes. What about Shen? How's, how's he? I think he got banged up. I think he's okay. I think he's okay. And, and Quinn's fine. He yeah, he came back. Yeah, it shows a lot of character coming back, putting a cage on that. That's a good, that's a good positive thing. Huggy doing that. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-3 loss in New York against the Rangers and not mincing words. 
saying uh, they need to look to make better plays. A to Z is too quick. They don't value certain plays. Wall plays, getting the puck in deep. Said four to five guys simply were not good tonight, did not bring it. And one guy he was asked about was Kuzmenko, who, who he said, yep. Not good enough tonight, spinning around, not doing enough. And if we look at some of the ice time, trying to figure out who are the other players that Rick Tockett was speaking about. And if you look at guys who maybe played a bit less than you would expect, I think you can draw some lines there. It's not clear, but I do think one guy in particular, Tyler Myers, is a guy you can look at who had under 20 minutes of ice time. Yeah, he's usually closer to 21. I think it's 2045 is where he usually is at. Again, we're talking about small differentials here, but nevertheless, uh don't know if he was fantastic tonight. Uh OEL, uh again, he's usually around 20 and a half minutes as well. Uh he clipped that, but you know, to me uh, that was another bit of an anonymous performance from him. Uh Sheldon Dries, 10 minutes. We talked about obviously him and that yeah. one goal. Um yeah, we, 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 we can play the guessing game. We know Kuzmenko is one of the five. Yes. Uh, we can and it guess was, about the other four. And it was pretty clear that he wasn't enamored with it, and we kind of mm-hmm. you know teased it at before hearing from the head coach. And we haven't had too many nights where we talk about Kuzmenko that way, but it's also clear that even when Boudreaux was here, as much as Kuzmenko had a lot of success, he was also a guy that Boudreaux would want to teach a lesson to every mm-hmm. once in a while. Scratched him one game, also demoted him a few times. That's inherently part of his game. But what's clear is... Rick Tocca doesn't stand for that stuff. It doesn't matter who you are. It's like Value plays. Value plays. It's like, hey, just do the right thing. I'm not saying don't go and create offense, but don't force something when it's not there. And when I hear that term, value plays, it's not so much about, oh, these plays always lead to goals. It's these are the things that we have to value as an organization. Yes. And, you know, those are the plays along the wall. Like, all the little things that we, we talked about last week or two weeks ago that, the plays that happen all across the ice. Yeah. Goals are the anomaly of the game, right? Tonight, seven goals. But think of all the actions that happen all across the ice. Like all those go to seven moments. Yes. And Rick Talk is trying to say we have to value all the other things that happen to get one of those seven that happened tonight. And that's the thing. It's those are the things that you have to start winning at. Wall guys and inside guys, right? And that that phrase is has been stuck in my head because it's a, it's an interesting way of how Rick Tockett is viewing it, and it's very specific language too. That it's not generic of like oh just go make plays. It's we need certain things around the ice to be part of the complements to how we want to play overall. Let's unpack some of that for a second here. Wall guys, inside guys. I know we talked about this before, but what do you think of when you hear inside guys? Positionally sound. Right side of the puck. Yeah. And, like, there are moments that you can cheat, all right? Like, there are moments when you can try to make a play and take a bit of a risk, but you have to do it from a sound spot. You can't, like, so there was a play last game against Jersey where JT was in the right area, but he's not in the right spot. Yes. Puck goes to Nico Hishier, and he recovers, and he gets dives, gets a stick on the the, the shot, puck goes into the netting. So you made the play – but if you were in a better spot, you could create something better. You're not just doing a recovery play to prevent a shot. You could maybe intercept that pass and create a transition opportunity. That's the difference to me. Are you constantly in the right spots to make the best play possible? There's something that you, it's you know the the way I view dump ins now. It's like hey, dump it in. Yeah, it's a safe play. It's a fine play. There's nothing wrong with it. 
But that's why we talk about the value of carrying the puck in. So that play like JT last game, you stop the shot, scoring chance nullified, that's fine. But is there a chance to make a better play if you're more positionally sound? That to me is inside. Protect the home, win the the V coming out from the net. Yeah, and if you are in the right, like, you know, we talk about defensemen doing it a lot, and one of the simple ways defensemen do it, part of it is also blocking out. Yeah. And you and I were talking about this a little bit before, and I, and I, I asked you a question. I'm like, if this, if a team keeps getting got scored on twice by goals that were dub, that were deflected twice, is that at all a reflection of you not being able to tie up some sticks? Mm-hmm. Yes, to some degree. And some of it you watch, you're like, hey, that just happened so quick. Too, I mean, it's like it happens, right? The other team's allowed to win too. Yeah, and they're gonna like, exactly. They're yeah. trying to make plays too. Yeah, precisely. But I kind of wonder about that. And listening to talk it tonight. I don't know if he's talking about those plays necessarily, but he did mention you got to box out. He felt like the boxing out was an issue, and even the Philip Hedo goal where he scores yeah. and drives his play. Like when you're trying to protect the net, you got to be on top of the guy well, and like and box him out or close him out, and that didn't happen. And Riley Stillman gets beat wide yes. around the boards, and that was stick breaks too. And so he's trying to battle, does ultimately like kind of pin Kako up. But look, that's you getting beat wide. We talked about it too. The um, Lafreniere goal, the three-one goal. Yeah. Anthony Bovillier at the uh, the opposing blue line. Yes. Bad play. Is, is that a seal-off or a chance to get the puck in deep? That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Along the wall. And again, it, it, when we talk about a, along the wall, I don't always assume it's, oh, in a battle, get that puck out. Because that's contested. That's a tough play. The thing, like, the thing I always think about with wall guys, and I'm not saying this guy's the prototype because there's like the Kachucks of the world. Brady in particular is fantastic along the wall, below mm-hmm. the hashes. But someone I always think about is Patrick Maroon. Yeah. Like, why is that guy stuck in the league for as long as he has? Because you know what he's really good at? Taking rims off the boards. Yes. No, he exactly. He's so good at that. He's, he just picks it up every time. How do you have connective passing when you're trying to create out of your own zone? That's someone that just knows how to position his body. It helps when you're as massive as he yeah. is. And you have soft hands as he does. But he is very good at just taking a hard pass in the defensive zone and getting it to a teammate with speed. That's... Like, we're talking about something that's kind of nerdy and small. It's not overall play and dictating tempo and all that sort of stuff. But I imagine if, if you're Rick Tockett, he's thinking, that's something I did in the league for a lot of years to stay yes. in the league. You have to win that sort of stuff, and that's how you start getting connective tissue between each other and start working towards something bigger and now playing with speed and playing complementary hockey. That's the sort of stuff I think about when I hear wall guys. Well, and he also kind of talks about the, the habits. A lot of bad yeah. habits to still come back. And it's going to take time to beat that out. And we are talk you about the, process- the walls? Are you doing Yeah. All- Those are habits. Or getting the puck deep and instead of trying to make the A, you know, he said we're trying to go A to Z, which is a different way of saying you're going for it instead of trying to live for another shift. Like you're, you're, you're going all out trying to hit the home run play instead of being patient with your approach to the game. And you can't live that way. You're going to get, you know, you're going to lose more games than you win, especially the way this Canucks season has gone. So I like that stuff that I'm hearing from Taka. The question is, can these guys embrace it and do it? I mean, that's right. the biggest question. He did couch it all by saying, yeah, day one of training camp. That's that's when you got to work on this stuff, yeah. not February 8th after game 51. Exactly. It's too far gone. And, you know, and you're trying to play catch up. And this is why as much as you know, there's some concern about a coach's bump and everything, and yeah, I mean, the Canucks have been 500 uh, since they hired uh, Rick Taka. There's been five games. They have five points. Mm-hmm. And this is them playing good hockey, quote-unquote, for their yeah. standards. I for mean, their standards, right? Yeah. So, I, I, and it's I not going to get I easier. I concerned about the coach. No, and again, yeah. I think it's going to get harder. I mean, look at the standings right now, Bick. They are in a virtual tie for the sixth worst uh, record in the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens, same win percentage. The only difference is regulation overtime wins that the Canucks have the advantage. That's why they mm-hmm. find themselves seventh. 
and they're the, a hair away from third best odds set. They're I mean they're only four points up on the third worst team in the NHL. You know you have two t- games coming up against the island the uh, Islanders tomorrow. Big you win have, last night for Anaheim over Chicago. Yeah, and then you have uh, the Red Wings on Saturday, which haven't been an easy team to beat. It's and it's be a on the nine a.m. game. It's a hard one. You're playing four games in six nights at that stage. Plus, you're coming off an emotional game. Playing bowl bowl. Game. Yeah. Then you come back after a road trip. We can be sitting here next week talking about the Canucks being in the bottom five. Like That's where they find themselves. So this process of trying to become a better team and beating the stuff out of them, it's going to have a lot of ups and downs. It's not going to be easy. And I think we're seeing some of that here tonight, especially based on what we heard um, uh, Rick Tockett speak about. Uh, Ju- Justin the Coot says, I took inside guys to mean the net front presence bumper between the hash players. We definitely need more of those. And I think it's, it's it, again, there's That's so many. That's the offensive side. Yeah, sure. they're offensive side guys, defensive zone guys, but I think just, Justin the Coots makes a great point. Yeah. That's also a lot of it, especially inside and how you create your goals and how you're supposed to score. I mean, the Canucks scored a few goals tonight. The only goal they scored really being in close was Elias Pettersson just jumping on uh, a loose puck off a delayed icing call, beating it out and getting to his spot. The Miller play, it's a play. He finds Pitcoles and he shoots it in. Garland gets found by Hughes. But did the Canucks generate any offense in close tonight? Get Getting to the net, driving? Not a lot. And that's something, of course, just point in, uh, Justin's point, that they also have to improve on offense. For instance, like the Heedle goal. Yes. Right? Like something like that. Yes. Where you're getting the puck to a valuable area. And you're converting your chances, and or even just the the structure of that play. Yeah, there I go using structure. Structure, I like it. You know, winning a face off, face design, face off play. Kako gets it low, and you have an idea of where everyone's going to be. Now that comes with a lot of chemistry, and those guys, the the kid line, having played together from the playoffs last year, and obviously their success so far this year as well. Uh, their their numbers, uh, their goals for percentages for that line is really good. Um, but that's that's what we're talking about, like. When you get the puck to valuable areas, can you win? It's it's, it's a complicated game set. It's a yes. very complicated game. But it's not an easy one. Here's Rick Tockett trying to simplify it and allow guys to just play faster by building those habits and make it so it's uh, consistent for them. Yeah. Uh, Raymond says, uh, it's pretty funny. Talk speaks like the players are all rookies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... And this is why you know I've been making. Hey, give Kuzmenko the credit for uh, for an extra year. I've been making this point for the last little bit here, Bic. Like the things we're talking about are very basic, rudimentary things. And like for us to be like, we're talking about the very basics of playing hockey that this team is trying to get right. Well, they don't like, play f- with good fundamentals. F- forget about like trying to win, play winning hockey, and you know creating. Like we're we're focusing on the the nuts and bolts. Easy things this team has to get right at this stage. Like, these are the things we're talking about. We were talking about line changes. Yes. It's ridiculous. And to be honest, we could probably spend way more time talking about line changes. Yes. How how crisp are they in their line changes? This is professional hockey. Yes. But it's, it's a fair conversation. It's boring, and that's why we don't do it. But... We talked about it before the, the change happened. Yeah. A lot of bad line changes. But it's, it's been mentioned just fleeting in yes. passing. But this team's not very good at line changes. Very Let basic. alone wall plays. Yes. Protecting the middle. The easiest thing you can do is make a line change. Your effort getting to the bench. Yes. Enjoying the play. There's, there's literally yes. no obstruction. It's how you get to the bench. And this team struggles at it. Yes. Big time. So much so that it's one of the points of focus for a new head coach. Line changes. And so much so that it's one of the points of focus in other teams' pre-scouts. Because they know how to take advantage of Vancouver. The other teams talk about the coaches and other players have repeatedly mentioned post-game when talking about their Canucks opponents that they pre-scouts their poor, they pre-scout their poor line changes and take advantage. 
tells you everything you need to know about uh, the number of things this team is trying to fix in terms of their style of play. Brandon Napoca, always a good for jokes per 60. Uh, you know, referencing that I've made a couple of mistakes uh, announcing certain things tonight. That's okay, Sat. <laughs> the way the Canucks are playing, it seems Bruce is still behind the bench. Uh, and he had another one saying, uh, the Canucks are focused on a north-south game. Well, they have the south game mastered, and they started it <laughs> back in October. So, yes, the season has gone south very well. I, I did want to pick up a text as well uh, from the second admission from Ben and Richmond. Uh, what's your guys' on thoughts on Brock's play with Pedersen and Bavillier? Obviously, uh, Kuzmenko gets knocked down and uh, was singled out there by Rick Tockett, uh, and so Brock was a beneficiary of that. You know, Brock at times had his feet going, and that's why you get the reward, and, and he had the good rush chance as well, Yeah, uh, getting that shot off. But in general, it was fine. By and large, it was mostly a fine performance. I would say exemplary performance by maybe one or two guys. I, I don't want to say exemplary. I don't know yeah. about exemplary. I mean, what I liked, and we talked about this before, from a structural point of view, I didn't see a lot wrong from the Canucks tonight. A lot of individual mistakes and, you know, obviously guys getting beat and those things happening. But I didn't watch them saying, I don't I have no idea what they're trying to accomplish tonight. And it was a low event game for a lot of parts. Like when it wasn't stuff to take, for the most part, they stayed away from it. And again, it wasn't perfect. They had a lot of guys that weren't good enough tonight and, and talk and spoke about that. But in general, overall, yeah, I mean... It wasn't. It wasn't the onslaught of breakdown after breakdown that we've been grown. We've grown accustomed to see. They gave up twenty one shots tonight. Yeah, it's not like they were you know, under siege this evening. The one encouraging thing that I have noticed is the pinches. Way better discipline. Yes, way better discipline. No more coming from such distance to put pressure on a puck that you're never going to get to, and you're not even going to influence the winger. They've been way more selective about it. And it just looks more functional. And that's why, hey, you can slow the play down through the neutral zone. It's not always just about winning every play and getting the puck as soon as you can, even if you're coming from a bad position. It's just as a team, can we win the puck back? And how can I influence it? So if I can't pinch it and I'm not going to be able to influence that winger, can I drop back and now the back pressure starts to come in? And as a group, we can start winning uh, together to retrieve the puck. You've noticed, at least I have, that the pinches have been way better uh, recently, they have been. I mean, I, I do agree with that in general. Decision making, certain individual plays, a lot of guys have had their struggles, like we talked about. But yeah, some tangible things. It's going to take some time here, as uh, you know, we see some of the, the system stuff get implemented, like Talkett has spoken about. But tonight, of course, not good enough for the team losing four three against the New York Rangers. And we are going to hear from Ethan Bear, who. Rick Tockett singled out to say he had a good performance on the back end. We'll continue the discussion on what happened tonight. And we'll hear from Elliot Friedman on the latest on the Canucks off the ice. We'll get to that and more as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll, we'll grab your phone calls as well, 604-280-0650. Canucks lose 4-3 in New York right here on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central post-game show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Pod Coles and knocks it down. Rims it back to the right point for JT Miller. Dropped to Garland. Long shot is held out by Shesterkin. And Keandre Miller feeds it up the right wing to center. Here come the Rangers. Chance off the rush. Tip. They score. Chris Kreider at the near post. Set up by Barkley Goodrow off the right wing. And the Rangers have a 1-0 lead. we got to value little plays. 
wall plays, when you don't have a, you have nothing, the puck has to go deep. We still, there's bad habits that filter uh, that we have to get rid of. Um, but, we, but, you know, we had a chance at the end you know, to get in there, but there's just some value plays that we have to, that's team identity. And I think sometimes we overlook the value. You know, we're looking for the result. We want to score the goal, but there's a lot to more scoring a goal. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. After a 4-3 loss against the Rangers, not happy with some of the habits this team still has to overcome to take that next step as a hockey team. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We are going to go to the phone boards as well for your thoughts. And we are going to play the thoughts of Elliot Friedman with the latest off the ice when it comes to Canucks rumors and innuendo stuff that's out there. So we'll get to that coming up in a couple minutes time. Getting good laughs in the text inbox there, Beck? No, just laughing at innuendo. Yeah, changing it up a little bit, having some fun. I see you working. Yeah. Uh, a lot of text messages, 650-650. This one says, I agree with the fans. Boudreaux ran our goalies into the ground, including Demko, to save his job. Um, so that's that's one that comes in in terms of the goaltending. Uh, Trucker James, wow, it's amazing how last year and early this season fans were saying he needs to play more and that Martin was amazing, and now he's playing far more than expected. One of the worst defensive teams when even Demko was struggling to play behind. I'm sure Delia would have his numbers plummet if he was were playing more games too. Calm down, people, and stop being so fickle. That's Trucker James. And yet, you keep getting texts like this one here that says, it's the goalkeeping Three should be winning. The rest is just sports guys yak. Old guy Bruce texting in. So a bit of everything. And then jokes for 60. We always like Oh, it. love them. Charles from Burnaby with the Allen Iverson reference. We talking about line changes? Line changes? Not the game. Not the game that you go out and die for. We talking about line changes? Yeah, we're talking about line changes. <laughs> yes, we are. How we are- am I going to make my team better if I line changing correctly? What matters? Scoring goals or line changes? <laughs> well, they might be tied together there. Well, Alec. Rick Tocca just saying. Well, I mean, that's so what, worried about trying to score the goal. That's one of my favorite speeches, but it's also like one of the most tone deaf things you could have said. Like, you know, Iverson, like, he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, he's like, hey, Alan, <laughs> he's like, you, they're kind of related. Habits, practicing, being a winner, like, all these things go together. You know, you're kind of missing the point here. <laughs> How am I going to make my teammates better by showing up for practice? Puns in deep. Yes. Mike and Tawasin text. Oh, you. I like that. Brandon Napoco, another joke. I mean, hey, he, he's trying to get the jokes for 60 moniker. Ironically, the way Spencer Martin has been playing, it feels like Thatcher Demko has returned to play goal. That's Brandon Napoco, because Demko had also struggled. Now, Thatcher Demko getting closer to that return also, Bick. Yep. Uh, back in the net, which is an encouraging sign. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how long it takes him to ramp it really up that he's ready for game action. Uh, what would your uh, estimated timeline be? I, I think my hope would be for the Philly game. I'd say so. I think that's more likely Wednesday, right? Next Wednesday? Uh, that's the New York game. Oh, New York game. I, I think the New York game or the Philly game mm-hmm. is one of those two. I don't see the Red Wings game on Monday. I think that's a bit too ambitious probably. But, you know, it kind of depends on how much progress he is making. And the team hasn't exactly been forthright completely on that. So he may be farther along than we know. Mm-hmm. But I'd guess either Rangers or Philly. Plus, let him relax after the Super Bowl. Just yeah, like, hey, go relax. Super Bowl hangover. Just enjoy it. And... uh Come back on Wednesday. We'll be yeah, ready for you then. Like, like Jeffro saying, I read an NHL mock draft tonight. The Canucks dropped to ninth while the Blues and Red Wings moved to second and third. Please tell me something like that isn't going to happen again. I thought they got rid of that in terms of the lottery jumps. Well, they can drop two spots. Yes. For instance, if St. Louis and Philly, who are behind them, move up, 
then they would naturally go down to ninth. Yeah, so you can move to up 10 spots in the draft. So you can finish 11th and have a chance to win first. But if you finish 12th or 13th, you can't finish. But if, if Calgary were to win the, the lottery, yes. they would draft 6th. Yes. And so the Canucks would go from 7th best odds to 8th. Yes. And if Detroit, or actually no, not Detroit. If Nashville won the lottery, they would go from 14th to 4th. Yes. It's very unlikely. They have yes. 0.5% chance and 1.5% chance. But you have to honor those chances. You do. The odds are the odds. Uh, and that's what they are. And we'll see ultimately what happens with the lottery ball. Still a ways away before we get to that stage. And how many may the Canucks have? Well, every loss gives them one more inching towards perhaps maybe just maybe having enough to have that luck you need. I, I'm irrationally excited for the draft lottery. I know. I can't wait. Well, these are the things we're looking forward to, the draft lottery. But that's where we are. That's where we're at yeah. with this season. All right. Before we get to more of your text messages uh, and continue here, let's go to the phone boards. We have Dee in Abbotsford waiting patiently to get on. Dee, thanks for hanging on to your line. Uh, what are your thoughts this evening? Thanks for taking my call, guys. Love the show. Awesome. JT Miller's been on the mind of a lot of Canuck fans. I listen to the daytime shows. A lot of people have been phoning in, asking questions. The last caller from Toronto, same thing. Uh, we Just watching him tonight, I'd love to see him play with uh, Pedersen, possibly Kuzmenko, for the rest of the year and get lots of points. Then who knows what we can do with him. If he continues playing with uh, the players he's been playing with, he may wind up with 60 points. And I don't think that's going to make any other teams be interested in him. Uh, We've got seven more years at $8 million a year after this year, right? Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. So strategically, I'm hoping that the Canucks management and the coaching staff would give us a little entertainment, put them on Petey's line, and let them fire it up. Get hey, lots D- of points, and then maybe we can get, get a deal on them. Quick question for you. So 60 yeah. points, like he's 14 points away from that right now. Right. He's got 46 he, points through 51 games. Like, even I if he just... Walk, yeah. But like, even if he just does what he's doing, which to you right now, like, if 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 you want to say he's underachieving, that's fine. But even even if he just does this version of his underachieving, he's on pace for seventy four points. He's on pace for seventy four points. Yeah, I'd like to see him get eighty eighty five points. Yeah, well, I think that's the point. Is I think he's making instead of getting him to seventy, get him to eighty ninety points. And I think you're, you're making is give him yeah increase give him, the value give him something to get excited about, and instead of coasting to the bench like he was doing again tonight. He'll be flying to the bench because he wants to get back out there again. Right. I, I just think that's that's what they should do. It'll be entertaining. Uh, load up one line, and maybe we can make a deal with someone. And, hey, uh, D, thanks for the phone call. And and I get what he's trying to say. The point's not a bad one. He's like, hey, the way the season is going anyways, yeah, like- load it up. And maybe Kuzmenko, Miller, and Pedersen go ham and score a ton of points. And at the end of the year, Miller's sitting there with 88, 90 points. And if he does, does that change the market potentially for, for inquiring teams? Sure. Like, he's going to soar past 60 points. Yeah, he's on pace for 74. He's, he might get 30 goals this year. He, he picked up a point tonight. He has, again, 46 points in 51 games. He's not had a hot streak this year. You know how we always talk about with Elias Pedersen? Yeah. It's like, hey, there's a lot of meat on the bone. 
and there's an opportunity for him to even score more, and now Patterson's on this run where he might clip 100 points. If JT Miller had one hot streak, one hot streak, like we'd be talking about another 85-point season for him. Yeah. He just has one hot streak. That has not happened this season. No. And he's got 46 points in 51 games. And I'm not defending his overall season. I'm just saying, from a production point of view, this concern that, oh, he's not going to live up to this deal. Like, he's putting up points. He has to improve his overall play. And the other thing that has to happen, the overall talent around the team has to improve. But if your sole goal then is to, oh, we have to just get him as many points just to move him. Okay, explore that. But there's an outside chance here. He goes on a hot streak. And you end up with 85, 88 points. He might get 80 points naturally. I mean, he's like, not that far playing off. Playing poorly, yeah. he's going to get 74. He's on pace of 74. He might end up getting more. I mean, hey, it, it could happen, right? But, you know, I, I understand where, where D is going in terms of, is that even a possibility? Could the Canucks move JT Miller? And what's going on with Luke Shen and Brock Besser even, who's been out there? Now, Elliot Friedman was on Wednesday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. And in between periods during the Canucks-Rangers game, had an update on the Canucks situation. Here he is running through the list of players the Canucks may or may not have on the market. There's quite a bit of interest in him. I think a few teams have called. I've thought about Tampa Bay, but I think that's less likely. I think Boston's in there on Shen. I think Calgary's in there on Shen, although the Flames might want to see exactly how the next couple of weeks go before they make a decision. And I think the Maple Leafs at times this year have also looked at Shen, and I believe there's probably more. You know, Luke Shen's an easy guy to handle. He's under a million dollars. It's not a huge price although the price is probably driven up a little bit by the amount of interest there is in them. As I've said a couple of times this week, I think there's been some push from some people in the team to keep Shen, but I think they feel they're comfortable that they're going to get enough that they're going to want to make the move. Besser is a little more complicated. I think the Canucks have really tried to make this work. Uh, Initially, they didn't want to keep money or take a contract back. Now they've let it be known that they will be willing to keep money or potentially take a contract back as long as it's less in term than Besser's is. I think the team we've all kind of wondered about here is his hometown team of the Minnesota Wild. Now, the Wild have made it pretty clear that (laughs) they don't think they can take much in contracts going forward because of the salary cap issue they have. But if they are able to figure out something where maybe the Canucks take a player back who's got a bit of term. I think there's a bit more likelihood that can happen. Uh, I do think Besser and the Canucks and the Wild have all talked. His agent has permission to speak to other teams. I I just don't know what the likelihood of that is that's going to happen. Now, the other thing this week is there's been some talk about JT Miller. I don't know. I I I would say this. One of the rumors going around has been Carolina. I'm not convinced of it. I do think there was a time uh, in the summer when they were looking at a potential kind of three-way deal involving Matthew Kachuk that maybe Miller's name came up, but I don't think, uh, I know some people have talked about the Hurricanes. I don't see that one happening right now. That's Elliot Friedman running down the scenarios for the Vancouver Canucks and starting in reverse order because he finished off with the JT Miller stuff and we were talking about a D calling in and others are texting in similar thoughts as well about JT Miller and what they should be doing. This person texted in and said, Miller needs to prove he can play center. And uh, who cares? What's Miller's plus minus? And what both those people are pointing towards is, sure, he can score points. Yeah. Nobody's disputing he can score. But what about his overall effectiveness? Yes, and, and look, that that's part of the reasons why, like we said, he's, he's underachieving this yes. year. 
and it's a dash 14, that's all valid. Yes. To me, the center thing is like, no matter what, like the best version of this team, whether it's next year, three years from now, the best version of this team still needs another center. Yes. Absolutely. Still needs multiple centers. Like yes. Atu Ratu is a nice acquisition. They still need one more guy, at least. And that's hoping that, you know, Ratu pans out. And even if he does, you still need another one. You still that's need best another case, one. you need two. Yeah. Best case scenario is two guys similar to Ratu, or maybe you get one in the draft this year, who are competing to push Miller to the wing. Yes. Because our point here, I don't think I'm speaking for you on here, is Miller can play center. He's a way better winger. And he's a long-term winger, not a long-term center. Yes. He can do it for a time being. Now, what I do think, if we're you know to the point that people are making, and, and I, I agree with this, in terms of the trade aspect, and like Elliot mentioned, could something happen there? And what I've mentioned, too, and I mentioned this yesterday, I can see Vancouver doing it if they get value. They're not just dumping JT Miller. It has to be value for it. For them to get value, what has to happen? I think it goes beyond scoring points. I think to the point that people are in the text message inbox are making, and maybe the most compelling point you can make in terms of the interest growing to a point where the Canucks may get offers in the summer is if by the end of the season we're looking at JT's game and saying, you know what, under Rick Tockett, he got better, more responsible, mm-hmm. less mistakes, better defensively. He played center more effectively, plus he kept scoring. You know what? That all of a sudden, by the end of the year, people may look at it and say, okay, all right. I see that now. I have a hard time seeing that all aligning by the deadline. That's why by the deadline it's a mm-hmm. harder one. By the draft, though, before his uh, no-move clause kicks in on July 1st, the new league year, so the draft happens late June, that's the window. And for that to happen, for the Canucks to even ha- be able to consider it, Vic, JT's going to have to play a lot better and have a strong finish to the season. And maybe, just maybe then, somebody comes calling and, and makes you think about it. But so far, those things have to happen. You know, a team we talked about a lot? Of a team would 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 they aggressively go shop for a a player, a top six player, yeah. like a Columbus? It doesn't always make sense because you're like Columbus, right? How or, or even but like, they're yeah. always looking for the next wave of yeah. someone that's available because a it's it, they've had issues retaining people, but here's someone that's locked in now. Would they value it that way? Yeah, and, and, and that's a question about it, right? And and those are the th- things. Now, that's the JT part of it. Brock Besser, and uh, Brock Besser's agents also been making the rounds in the media the last couple of days as well. And he's doing his job, right? Like, his job is to represent his client. It's clear they're trying to make a trade. It's clear that he also has some leeway hate to find a trade. And you can tell, the, you know, the size of the rest. So what is he doing? He's answering questions about it. He's he's doing his job. It's essentially an 18-month process here has been going on for Brock and, yeah. and whatever right. executive that's been for the Vancouver Canucks. 100%. And you know what? Like, if we ask agents questions and they answer questions, great. Be on shows, do interviews, great. But usually when an agent talks so openly about potential possibilities, it means nothing's close. You know, and I think one of the things Elliot mentions is the Canucks are willing to do some stuff, but they haven't gotten there yet. I think it's not an easy one to make, the Besser one either. And I think that's becoming more and more clear. As much as there's a willingness on both Besser's side to play ball, as much as there's a willingness on the Canucks to play ball, it's still a hard deal to make. And nothing has happened yet that's even close to... You know how we, we sat here around the bow thing last week and the week before, Big, on the last broadcast, we said, you know, for the longest time this year, we kept saying... You got to wait on the bow stuff. Like, I hate, I hate to tell you guys this. You know, it's October, it's November, it's December, but the bow stuff's not picking up steam yet. Mm-hmm. Then we got to a point two weeks ago and we said, literally now, any day a bow trade may happen. 
we're not there with Besser where I'm like any day now, Besser trade may happen. Maybe, you know, the proverbial phone call changes everything. But as we sit here and speak, I don't think anything's close by yet. But here's the difference. With the Horvat thing, we talked about you have to hit pause for the finances to make sense. Yes. Okay. The Besser one, you have to wait for other dominoes to fall. Bo was in demand. Bo was one of the premier pieces available on the market that we talked about Dylan Larkin, but they're still trying to hammer out a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Ryan O'Reilly, that's still, it costs financially more than Bo. He's got a bigger contract. There just wasn't a lot of centers available. Scarcity demanded it. Yeah. He's having a career year. So he's one of the top names on the list to say, well, let's go down our short list and you start. Bo Horvath's going to be one of the first two guys on that list for teams trying to acquire a center. Where's Brock on the list? Fifth? Sixth? And he, like, from he's what definitely I've, not one of the tier one wingers available. No, and from what I've heard, he's, and I know Frank mentioned this, and Urf even mentioned this too, but this, is, this has been kind of the mark of the industry feel, is that he's option B, C, or D for teams. So you have to wait. Like There hasn't yeah. been trades across the league. There's been four trades in the National Hockey League involving players making $1 million or more. Canucks have been involved in three of them. And the only other one they weren't involved in was Ryan freaking Reeves getting traded for a fifth-round pick making $1.75 No money's getting traded. So The only team has tra- who has traded money and traded for money is the Vancouver Canucks. That's the only team who's made multiple trades. So you need dominoes elsewhere to fall. Yes. Before you get... Okay, well, this guy's off the list. This guy's off the list. This guy's off the list. Now, hey, what's going on with Brock Besser? So that's the thing that's going to hang up any Brock trade. Unless a team says, hey, you know what? We don't have the assets to shop in that market. Mm -hmm. So we're going discount shopping early. That's the only thing that's going to motivate that trade. And if you're the Canucks, maybe you just wait. And and that's why the desire might be there. But the more likely scenario to me, Sat is the summer. It sounds boring, right? Like, same thing. Like, JT, more realistic, if anything, summer. Bo, Brock, probably summer. Garland, probably summer. Shen, the one we'll talk about on the other side, which Elliot mentioned, should happen by the deadline. Will it happen by the deadline? We'll discuss that. We'll hear from Elias Pettersson, uh, who, successful night in the face-off circle. We'll talk about that and the team's pursuit to be dead better down the middle. And more of your text messages, plus Ian McIntyre, as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on. Canucks lose 4-3 in New York. And Satyar Shaw, Bick Nazar, on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central postgame show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Canucks back the other way. They score. Elias Patterson on the end boards. Got after a puck on the forecheck. And just shoved it past Shesterkin and into the net. Canucks respond immediately. Shesterkin is complaining to the officials. Gerard Gallant is heated behind the New York bench. But the Canucks have made it 4-3. Welcome back to the Canucks Central postgame show here on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose in New York against the Rangers 4-3. Almost came back towards the end. Not enough. Ultimately lose. We heard from head coach Rick Tockett, who was not too happy with his team's performance, at least how they started the game, and four or five passengers tonight. Uh, not saying that, but in, in so many words, mentioning how they didn't have it and weren't good enough tonight, and singled out Andre Kuzmenko when asked by Ian McIntyre. 
And we'll talk about that when iMac joins us in about 13 minutes time, 14 minutes time here on the postgame show. Now, before we get to Elias Patterson's postgame audio and talk about his night, specifically in the faceoff dot, which is something we've been keeping track of, which he's spoken about wanting to improve on as well. So we'll talk about that coming up in a couple of minutes. But tying up the discussions about the offseason potentially, and or off-ice, I should say, and uh, trade targets or potential, Luke Shen. Luke Shen, a bit of a scare tonight, uh, got banged up in the second period, left the game, but did return. And head coach Rick Tockett said, yeah, I got a bit banged up, but obviously good enough to come back. And he battles through it. But Elliot mentioned he's a guy the Canucks feel like our teams are interested enough in that they're going to get an offer that's good enough for them to say, we'll make the trade and not re-sign him. And this is, that's essentially what it's been this entire time here, Bick, especially the past couple of months. It's like, the Canucks are open to trading him as long as they get value. Now, if the value is like a fourth or a fifth round pick, maybe then they're like, we're better off just keeping mm-hmm. this guy. But given Jacob Megna went for a fourth, who is not at the same caliber as Luke Shen, despite the fact he's younger, big, and had a successful season playing alongside Eric Carlson, brings physicality, those things do matter. You can say younger version of Shen to some degree. He right? ain't won two cups, though. He hasn't. doesn't have the he same He ain't pedigree. reinvented his game to stay in the league. He's not the NHL all-time leader in hits. He ain't a leadership have... example. <laughs> no, not quite. So if he's going for a fourth, I think it's safe to assume Luke Shen's going for a higher return than a fourth-round pick that Jacob Megna went for. So I think it's safe to say the Canucks are at least getting a third-round pick value. And if the Canucks are getting at least third-round pick value, I don't see them keeping him. The question is... Is there enough value here that they get even more than that? Can they get the equivalent of a second or something along those lines? Or even, do you do something creative? You know, we talked the other day. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to move a bigger contract, more like a Garland or a Brock, not talking OEL or Myers, are there other pieces available to you that you maybe pair and now suddenly a team goes, well, I didn't want that, but if I'm getting this as well, that's interesting. Instead of a $6.6 million for one player, I'm paying 7.5 for two players and one I really value, like a Luke Shen. Could you put him with the Brock Besser? Could you put him with a Connor Garland and make it a bit more attractive and boost kind of the value? Yeah. We, we, we were talking like Jack Rathbone, Nils Hoaglander. Is Luke Shen someone who's got a cheap contract? Is that a way you kind of manufacture this? Because that's a, an interesting way to go about it. Because there are teams that are looking for scoring, and no one's really going to say no to cheap, serviceable D-men if they're going to the playoffs. Is that a way you can solve this issue of with Brock or with yeah. Garland to pair it with Luke Shen and kind of hit two birds with one stone? I think the potential is out there. And as long as you can get something favorable. And I think they may have to get creative in that regard. And I think... Could they also look at sweetening the pot to get something a better prospect back in return? You know, when you're moving a prospect of your own in the deal and you're trying to get the higher grade mm-hmm. player that the other team may not be willing to move part with, right? We heard about Hoaglander and Rathbone. Do they have long-term futures here? Would something along those lines get you a better, younger player that you feel good about? Again, a lot of possibilities around Luke Shen. And maybe you just used to make the simple trade, which is a late second. Sure. And that's the one, right? But all that goes to show you is there are enough possibilities and and avenues to get value for Luke Shen that I don't see the team bypassing that to re-sign him. And and that to me is my threshold by the way. Second rounder. Yeah. Late third, you, you could convince me re-sign him, it's fine. Fourth it's he's definitely worth more than Jacob Megna. Yeah. But 
late if you're getting a two, then I'm saying, hey, we'll 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 talk to you in the summer. Yeah, we we hope you take our call, but we'll talk to you in the summer. Yeah, oh, for sure. And you know that's the one trade I think they will make. It's going to happen. The question is how many more can you make? So one, do we set it at one and a half the over under, or do we get a bit higher on it the rest of the season? I'll take the under at one and a half. One and a half. I'll take the over to be fun. And just to be fun, just to be fun. Marcus and Gibson says, "Is is Alvin Stealth absolutely killing it and making magic happen?" And to the point being, again, like there have been trades in the NHL, but there's only been four trades involving money in the league this year. Involving like the only and the Vancouver's actually finding ways to make trades in a market where no trades are happening. So could they find another one in addition to Luke Shen? That's why I'd say I'd say right now, yes. And it may not be the bigger ones we're talking about, but I, I think they find something else that they can do too. It's hard to be stealth when every national show and every out-of-market show is like, hey, that's what's going on in Vancouver right now. <laughs> There's so much noise all the time. <laughs> it's pretty hard to be stealthy uh, in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love this text message. Do you guys know anything about hockey strategic planning, nuclear physics? Put JT Miller in goal. Honestly, can any of you defin- definitively say he doesn't have a qualification to be a fourth backup goalie in the National Hockey League? I totally understand why you guys are so negative. <laughs> Jokes for 60. I love it. I love, love the takes for 60. All right. Great uh, text. Uh, a lot of fun on that. We appreciate your thoughts as well. We'll, we'll try to get to more of your text messages. Nuclear physics <laughs> and fourth string goalies. <laughs> Terrific. I love Love it. All right, we'll get to more of your thoughts here, but we mentioned Elias Pettersson and uh, did get a goal tonight. Not enough. Uh, Canucks lose 4-3 against the Rangers, and here he is talking post-game about what happened tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think we came out the way we wanted or the way we did against the Devils. Um, I think maybe the last seven, eight minutes of the first was good, and second was all right, and then we made a push in the third. We made it a close game, and it was whether it's supposed to tie it, but yeah. Talkit has talked about you know, having a high standard one game, but then maintaining it the next day in practice, maintaining it the day after that yeah. in a game. Is that what you guys, I think, are trying to Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's uh, the culture we we want to build. I mean, um, uh, just like bring your top effort every game. Uh, maybe some games you're your plays aren't going to be there, but if you bring your effort and everyone does it, good things happen. So um, uh, today was was a little on and off, but um, I mean, learn from it and luckily we got a game again tomorrow, so I don't have to think about this too too long. Didn't give up a whole lot. So defensively, do you see progress in, in that area with what you guys are giving up? Yeah, I mean, I think we um, we always talk about uh, we talking a lot a lot of details um, playing fast uh, I mean strength is on for for them um, so I think defensive side it's been a little better but I mean we still let, let in four goals today so um, I don't know look at video and see what we can do better that is Elias Pettersson uh, echoing a lot of the same thoughts that Rick Tockett had. It's almost as if Rick Tockett spoke to the media before talking to, uh, spoke to the team before speaking to the media about the game tonight. Didn't like to start and talk about the efforts have to be better. Uh, talk about some positives, of course, but uh, in terms of overall Elias Pettersson and his alignment with the head coach, I don't know a lot of people have had questions about that, but when I hear Pettersson talk and we heard Pettersson speak to Elliot and Jeff Merrick on a 32 Thoughts podcast interview from uh, Florida during All-Star Weekend. And he, and he spoke about 
yeah, this team needs better rules, structure. They need to play a lot better and be better defensively and responsible. And the things that Talkit preaches are usually things that you see uh, Elias Pettersson generally gravitate towards and do consistently. Yes. Now, tonight, a couple times. but The, the general, one I didn't like was the, the, the pass, pass the best, that the led to yeah. that wound up uh, being the Lafreniere goal. Um, the, the thing I do want to highlight for Pettersson tonight, though, 13 of 19 yes. in the face-off circle. 68%, something he also mentioned he wanted to get better at. Uh, Canucks overall tonight, 50%. Uh, but at 5-on-5, five five, there were 56%. Uh, on the power play, they went 1-for-2. Shorthanded, though, 0-for-5. JT Miller goes 0-for-1. Curtis Lazar goes 0-for-1. Elias Pettersson goes 0-for-2. And Nils Oman goes 0-for-1. Yeah, struggled there, but Pedersen and JT Miller had success in the faceoff draw both in about general. Sixty percent. Yes, both good nights in the face. Now Pedersen's has actually so Pedersen's is interesting when you look at Pedersen's numbers uh, and faceoff numbers. Like they're just around forty four percent, but he's had a lot of games where he's been over fifty percent. But it seems like when he gets he gets crushed badly, yeah. there is games where it's like one for eight, one for nine that brings his number down. So I think it really comes down to the matchup and who who he goes up against. But you see some games and you've seen him more repeatedly recently. Recently, or at least in the sec- in, as the season's gone on, where he's won the face-off battle in games. And I think there are some incremental steps happening, but it's something he's very aware of. That's a part of his game that has to improve. And Bick, I'd say it's the game, the part of his game that's most directly related to strength. Sure, yeah. You know, and part of it... it like physical strength. Physical strength. Yeah. A lot of the face-off stuff is, hey, obviously hand-eye coordination, which we know he has, but it's body positioning mm-hmm. and... Do you have the strength to get in and get the puck in and keep the other guy off of it? And we know that Patterson can get knocked off a little easier. He also spoke about how he wants to get stronger, not be as easy to knock off the puck. And I wonder with how he's built, does he just have trouble to have enough leverage when he gets low like that and everything? But generally speaking, I'd say the thing he has to improve on the most to be a better face-off man is just the pure brute strength he needs more of. And what's stunning, too, is he does have good defensive instincts. He is able to suppress chances when he's playing at his best. And he's gotten selkie consideration without being good at something that a lot of people consider is extremely valuable for that case to 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 start winning selkies is win face us on the PK. Yes. Like he's such a good defensive forward without thriving in the spot where we key on defense the most, be valuable on the PK. And yeah. once that starts happening and he starts winning faceoffs if it ever materializes, which I, I do think it will because he's a dedicated player and gets better at things. That's the exciting bit is once he starts winning on the PK and starts influencing the game shorthanded, you'll start to see the real recognition of uh, his overall defensive play. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good way of kind of describing that next step for him and. Once he gets physically stronger, there's so many things and parts of his game that can take another level. There will be a, another tier jump with him potentially when that does all kind of come together. Fawn's in Vancouver getting his thoughts in, saying Pedersen is sounding like a captain more and more every day. Now, jokes for 60, uh, this one unsigned. I think the Canucks can use a quantum computer to try and find the most optimal theoretical trades. Hashtag jokes for 60. What's the story on Demko? Is he coming back soon? If so, he could put a serious, he could put the tank at a serious risk. That's 92.5% chance of not getting Bedard could turn into 95% chance of not getting Bedard. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> That's actually a, a funny way of putting it. Sure. You know? I mean, 
Thatcher Demko this year was three ten and two. Three ten and two. Not good. That. So not great. That's uh oh my math is so bad. That's eight of a possible thirty points. Yeah. Now, different system and all that sort of stuff, but it's not like he was playing at a Vesna level. No. I think I understand nothing goes right for Canucks fans. Okay? I understand that. But this worry that they're suddenly gonna shoot up to fourteenth best i don't see it bro it just it just doesn't exist i don't see i mean that's i don't see they're that five happening. points away from the next lottery jump spot they're five points back of st louis they're five back of st louis st louis has lost five in a row as well to allow that to happen yes. and even even though st louis has lost five in a row in the last 10 games vancouver's made up one point on the blues the Blues have had a ten, five game losing streak, but over the last ten games, the Canucks have only made a one point on the Blues. That kind of tells you the Canucks playing good hockey are three six and one of the last ten. Genuinely, how many points? Like the rest of the way, okay. So there's thirty one games left. How many points do you think they get? Thirty one. So right now they played five hundred hockey under Tockett, five points in five games. Over under thirty one points. I'm taking the under. Yeah. Like I don't think like, they're going to be a five hundred team the rest of the way. Clearly. Yeah, like we we talked about, would they get to seventy five points at one at one stretch? And you and I both said, do they under. break seventy? And now that's the question: do they even break seventy at this stage? And right now, I'm probably taking the under. And so, okay, <sighs> if, if Thatcher Demko, I might comes have back, it at like seventy exactly. Okay, yeah. Right now, I'm probably saying sixty eight, sixty nine, seventy points somewhere yeah. on that range. How many points do you think Thatcher Demko is worth the rest of this the rest of this season? Three. Let's say, let's let's say he plays his best hockey and he's worth five points. Okay, the, the best version of Thatcher Demko. Okay, it's five points. Let's that's do that. Yeah, five points. Yeah, seventy four, seventy five points. Yeah, that's what we're looking at. Best case, because even last year, by the way, he was fantastic last year. Yes, he was unreal last year. And you know how many wins did they he missed have? the playoffs? This, yeah, exactly. And they this, missed the playoffs last yeah, year. Absolutely. So I mean, I don't see it. Like I just don't. So we'll see ultimately what happens. Now, we do need to go to New York because we have our good friend Ian McIntyre standing by past midnight in the Big Apple. We call him our closer, the triple threat. You see him on TV, you hear him on radio, you read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. The Canucks could use a closer, couldn't they? (laughs) Of course, course, to close, you need a lead. Yes. In the ninth inning. Well, and they are closer to the end of the season. Yeah. That's Maybe the they benefit. have a closer, but we, <laughs> we just don't see them because situational play, the Canucks are never leading at the end of the game, or it feels like they're never leading um, at the end of the game. The only closer they've had is a Grim Reaper with all the losses. <laughs> now, now, it's only hockey, sad. <laughs> so let's not go comparing <laughs> to life and death. <laughs> the Grim Reaper. The bell is not tolling for anyone. No, no one's shuffling off this mortal coil tonight, <laughs> but they have shuffled off a couple more points. Oh, that's a terrific line. Mortal coil. That, that's that, that's why you're a writer. That's why you're a writer. I, I, I'm writing that one down right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that is good. terrific. Yeah, uh, I think that's actually Shakespeare. <laughs> so he's... He knows that he's a little better than me. <laughs> hey, we can all be inspired, right, Ian? Can he break down a power play? I don't think so. Uh, Billy does Shakespeare you know tell is? me about a PK? Uh, well, wouldn't it be nice if they had a power play? 
I don't want, don't get me off on a tangent, but this is one of the things I've noticed over the year. The crappier the team is, the crappier the officiating is that they get <laughs> for their yeah. games. You know, one power play in each of the last two. Yeah. But anyways. Have they earned more, though? That, that wasn't the problem tonight. That was a problem. That was a significant problem on Monday in the loss in New Jersey. But uh, the officiating wasn't what killed them tonight. It just, you know, starting badly and falling uh, behind, as we've we've seen. And, you know, the Rangers are a good good well-drilled team they they don't at least you know tonight they didn't offer a whole lot and the Canucks struggled struggled to generate it but as as I think the games really it's almost secondary to everything that Rick Tockett had to say after yes I mean were you I mean so we we were talking about the game post game. We, we spoke about yes, I mean it wasn't perfect, and a lot of things they have to do a lot better of and everything. But were you a bit surprised at at how critical he was post game? Um, no, I, I mean I'm still getting to know him, so I, I I don't know. And maybe maybe if you ask me this question, the same question a year from now, I'll say, oh yeah, I can't can't believe he said that because yeah. he hasn't said anything like it since. Mm-hmm. But I I get the feeling that Rick Tockett. You know he's he's not going to apologize for being honest uh, about his players, and and we know that accountability was was a huge point of friction between Boudreaux and management. That management needed him or wanted him to to hold players more accountable, including his top players. Uh, you know, it's one thing you, if if a guy in the fourth line makes a mistake. You, you sit him down and then replace him next game. I've always I've always found it both uh, hilarious and incredibly unfair that when teams lose, they tend to blame the guys who play the least and change those guys next game. Um, but you know they've they've wanted Alvin and Rutherford to have uh, more demands on players, including their top players, to play the way that you have to play to be, be successful. And uh, I think, you know, I, I asked him because I was going to ask about Kizmenko anyways. And then, and then he said, you know, they had four or five guys. And then he, he said five guys. And I only asked him specifically about Kizmenko. I didn't ask him to name the five. And so that's why I think partly it seems like he was, he was singling him out, but you know, it was my question that he just honestly answered. I mean, what's he going to say? No, it wasn't Kuzmenko. We could see that he wasn't playing in the third period when they were chasing a game on the road and needed a goal. And he's their leading goal scorer, was until Pedersen, I think, tied him tonight. Is that correct? Pedersen's 20, I don't know. I think Pedersen was his 22nd tonight, and that's what Kuzmenko Kuzmenko had going in. So it it certainly makes a statement. and, And I think, you know, that's probably that's probably deliberate as well. Like Talkit is trying to lay down some ground rules. Well, you know, what has he said several times? There's some non-negotiables. And, and he went over again, some of those tonight about, you know, plays along the wall and plays with the puck when you don't have anything. Uh, he's also said several times about, you know, playing North instead of going South or going laterally. He also said tonight, and, and I went back and looked at the play where he said we had a couple of guys not screening on a face-off play at the end. And, you know, Brock Besser was, 
who actually had a good game and is playing uh, better hockey lately and got a promotion tonight, I think he was the guy that uh, that Talkett was referring to because on, on the replay, they win the draw, Miller wins the draw, and Besser uh, gets retrieves the puck and relays it to Hughes at the point. But as he's doing so, the guy on his shoulder, on Besser's shoulder, skates past him and pressures Hughes and he couldn't really make a play. And then the puck ended up coming out the other way and, and Besser uh, got caught on the wrong side of the guy and took a took a penalty. I think he was being critical of Besser, although we didn't mention him by name. But I think we're just at a stage. We're five games in. Uh, we've seen some dramatic fluctuations in the quality of the team's play. If you think about how good they were the first game against Chicago, how terrible they were the second game against Seattle, that, that was really atrocious. Then they were better against Columbus. And I thought they were really good on Monday against an elite team. You know, they had one bad minute in it, and against the New Jersey Devils, that's enough to lose. But then they come back tonight. And they're not, they weren't horrible like they were in Seattle, but they weren't close to the same team tonight that they were on Monday. You know, if, if Monday, let's say, was, a, was an eight or an eight and a half out of 10 performance by them, effort and execution, you know, tonight was probably a five, maybe a four. And I think, I think that frustrates Talkit a lot. And I know that it frustrates. Patrick Alvin, because from the time he arrived here, he's talked about the the culture they had in Pittsburgh where every day, every day, game or practice, there's a certain standard and everyone had to meet that standard. And the Canucks are trying to establish a standard. And I, I think this is, these are painful days for some of these players and, and the club, and it's going to spark a lot of debate. You guys have probably uh, been facilitating some of it tonight, you know, being an outlet for people to vent. But this is, I think this is necessary. If if you're going to actually build a culture, you, you got to start somewhere. Like it doesn't, you, you can't get to the end. Uh, what, what was it? Talk it said tonight, they're trying to go from A to Z. I wish it said Z, but anyways, he said A to Z. And, you know, there's a process that you have to get through together. They're just trying to jump straight to Z or Z from A. Now it's going to bother me whenever I say Z. It looks the same in print, Ian. looks the same in print. Yes, I guess. I guess. But, I mean, this culture that they they all aspire to, and I think we all think, yeah, that would be good. It'd be good to have a culture. It'd be good to have an identity, uh, at least an identity better than the one that they've got right now. You, you know, that's that's Z. You can't just go there. you got to worry about A and B and C. And right now they're trying to get past B or C. Don't forget about uh, J and uh, Q as well. Those are important ones as well. Um, uh, a, a sigh of relief for uh, Luke Shen. No idea what that means, but continue. <laughs> Those are important letters along the way from A to Z. Um, Luke Shen, a sigh of relief uh, from Talkit about that uh, knock that he picked up? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, Luke Shen, I mean, you pr- probably have to amputate a leg for him not to get out there. Didn't sit down the whole third period. He couldn't. He couldn't get off the ice. Couldn't. Couldn't lift his leg up over the boards, or at least it was painful enough that he was just opening the gate, like he's you know four years four year olds do. You know, go off in a line change. Everyone lines up at the gate to go off, not just come on. So we'll we'll see. I mean, 
Um, you did say Luke Shen, right? Correct. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm right now seeing how much he labored uh, through the third period, the fact he couldn't sit down. Right now, I, I, I got to be honest, I, I'm, I'll be a little surprised if he's able to play back-to-back. I mean, the bigger sigh of relief just because of the, the impact of the player and how important he is is that Quinn Hughes you know, came back in, in that game. And I know that you know, often a, a puck or a stick to a face, uh, as, as awful as it is for the lay person to think about, it's kind of a hazard of the trade in hockey and you just, it's, it, it sucks and it hurts, but you, you get patched up and you can go back out, but you never know what, what could happen when, when a puck strikes you. And so the fact that, that he was able to come back, obviously he didn't have any, uh, uh, concussion like issues and, and presumably was thoroughly checked out, maybe had an x-ray or at least a, a thorough <clears throat> examination that he was okay to come back. That's a big relief. That's a big relief because, you know, where are they going to be? I know team tankists would be <laughs> celebrating yeah. if there if there was a non-life-threatening injury to, to Quinn Hughes or Elias Pettersson that would keep them out. Um, but, you know, right now for what they're trying to do and, and starting to try to build this culture, he's he's a very important part of it. So that that was a big relief to me to see him come back halfway through the third. And one of the highlights of the game tonight, setting up Connor Garland for that goal, uh, incredible rush by Quinn Hughes, almost coast to coast making that play happen. But Ian, uh, we know that uh, you got a lot going on. We appreciate you making some time after midnight in the Big Apple, I might add, and hopefully we'll chat it with you again tomorrow after the Canucks take on New York Islanders and their new player, Bull Horvat, who faces a former yeah. team. Yeah. Quite, event, quite an eventful week. And I do have a lot going on. Mostly, I have another seven hundred words or so to go on. Oof. These these eight o'clock starts local are just murder. Oh, so yes, we know. Wish wish me luck. Yeah. I, I've got about an hour left to get it done. <laughs> Godspeed, Ian, and hopefully we'll chat with you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not life and death. No, you know no. at least at least at least it's not the Grim Reaper breathing down your neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. We don't we don't need the image of. Of somebody with a sickle standing behind <laughs> behind you, right? No, so. certainly not. Certainly not. All right. Good night, guys. All right. Thanks, Ian. That's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca, which will be up soon, and it'll be there for your reading pleasure. He's Bick Nazar. Back at it tomorrow on the post-game show here with myself, Satyar Shah. Also, no live People Show tomorrow, but Brad May will be on the podcast. Uh, we'll have that for you on the People Show podcast feed. Tomorrow. Make sure to check out the podcast. Always a great chat with May Day. I'm Satyar Shah, back at it tomorrow with Dan Ricci on Canuck Central. We have Harmon Dial joining us, John Garrett joining us, plus overrated, underrated, and then a game broadcast as always. Thanks to all of you for listening and being part of the show. We can't wait to chat with you again tomorrow night when the Canucks take on the Islanders from New York. And special thanks to our producer, Fast Eddie Gregory. This has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.